KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City, a product of Tyler Media, reaching over 1 million Oklahomans every week. Now, the Outdoor Hour, giving you the inside scoop on the great outdoors, presented by Park Ridge Medical Clinic on 1077 The Franchise. As long as I can remember, I've been drawn to the outdoors. There's something primal in each of us that awakens when we step outside the bounds of modern society and back into the vast possibilities of the natural world. The more civilized our lives become, the louder our hearts cry for reconnection with our native ways. Failure is imminent, dangers drawing nigh, but approached with reverence and tact, the outdoors return wisdom in game. In both the outdoors and in life, harvests are fleeting, but lessons and memories abound. With that in mind, we step forth boldly together in pursuit of ourselves outdoors. We are nothing more than tree stand troubadours. Welcome inside the Outdoor Hour here on December the 28th, 2022 on this Wednesday night. Brought to you by Park Ridge Medical here on 107.7 The Franchise. My name is Todd Lisenby, your normal host, Taylor Maples. You will hear from shortly as it is our last broadcast of 2022 on the Outdoor Hour. And as we did start the Outdoor Hour... Back in April of 2022, we thought we'd relive some of the best moments as we bid adieu to the year 2022 tonight on the Outdoor Hour. So without further ado, we go back to June when Brad and Adam from Final Descent Outdoors joined us on the program. And Adam, who admittedly, as you'll hear, did not grow up a big game hunter, tells us about his once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to have an Oklahoma elk hunt and just how unbelievable it turned out even considering how unbelievable it even was that he got the opportunity. This, again, from June the 29th, the Final Descent Outdoors guys, Brad and Adam, joining Taylor and myself right here on the Outdoor Hour on 107.7 The Franchise. I spent some time uh, hunting uh, mostly waterfowl, or not even really waterfowl, mostly just uh, open bird hunting, land hunting. So we did a lot of quail, dove hunting. Uh, Those are what I grew up with. I mean, I grew up mainly fishing Okay. um, with my uh, grandpa and my dad. Uh, we, we, the property we have out in Wellston, um, you could tell it was, my grandpa ran cattle on it, but you could tell it was important is because he had, he had like 16 ponds on this ranch and it's like all of them are stocked. And so it's like, <laughs> we didn't never, I grew up, my grandpa said, we don't go fishing, we go catching. Yeah. So like that fishing was my background. Okay. Um, and then when I got meeting Brad, he was like, he got, you guys got this ranch up here. Why aren't you hunting it? And I was like, I don't. Fishing's more fun for me, I guess. And then we got into it, started going. Brad came along. It's like, here's, we're going to teach you how to hunt. Um, and I remember last year, and I went and set up some stuff, and I put a feeder out and a camera out, and I was t- talking to him, and he was like, look at you. <laughs> look at look at you. It was look like a dad. I was proud. Like, yeah, I was like, proud papa moment. Yeah, going, proud papa moment. Look at this hunter. This. But I, I do have to say, though, that uh, so Adam had never, he killed, you killed turkeys. Uh, yeah. You'd, you'd shot some ducks. You'd, you know, dove hunted. But big game uh, is not something you'd ever done, mm-hmm. and so we set up your property. Hopes you set up two two places mm-hmm. to be able to 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 gun hunt uh, for deer. Mm-hmm. But in that meantime, I told you you ought to put in for the draw hunt. Yeah, in the Wichita Mountains for elk, the mm-hmm. Oklahoma Wildlife does that draw hunt. I said I've put in fourteen years. I've never drawn a tag. I said, man, you need to start putting in. I showed him the process, what he needed to do, and I said, maybe, maybe in the next someday, fif- maybe yeah. in the next fifteen years, yeah. you'll draw a tag. Maybe. And so he puts it in, no big deal. Pays us five bucks to enter. And I feel I get, like I know how this is going to end, <laughs> bro. So I get an email that says, "Hey, you're unsuccessful in your draw again." All right, yay! All right, no big deal. Um, 
It's about October. Yeah. It's late. <laughs> Adam calls me, and he says, uh, the wildlife department just called me asking me if I was going to do my elk hunt that I was drawn for. Here's the deal. They sent this joker an email in June telling him that he drew. He just thought it was a spam email yeah. from the wildlife department, like a newsletter. They've emailed him multiple times. He's just deleted them. He has been drawn. First time he's ever put in. He's never even killed a big game animal. An anything. A deer, yeah. a hot nothing, all right? And they're like, uh, you, you, so they just want to make sure him. you're going to use Are you going to show up? Because you know. we've tried to reach you and you're not answering. Are you going to show up? And so he calls me like, hey, man, I just got off the phone with the wildlife department. I got drawn for that elk hunt. Did you get drawn for that? And I said, shut up, dude. No. Well, I like, get drawn for it. I mean, I, I had no context. Yeah. Zero context. Like, this is, you know, like a normal. Like, so are you going to go with me? I, how are we going to do this? Yeah, so you can't go in and hunt with them. So he's like, I got drawn. He gives me the dates. I'm like, I hate you, this redheaded Irishman. I'm like, <laughs> when you fart, metal shavings come out because you have horseshoes <laughs> up your hiney, bro. Like, you're the uh, luckiest dude in the world. Yeah. So he's never killed a big game at all. So he draws this elk hunt. And I looked at the weather. Of course, Adam's not a big game hunter. Like, he has never done this before. He's like, you can't go with me? And I said, yeah. no, the, the rules are you have to go by yourself. You take five bullets. That's all you get. Which, now, I can come in none and help of you this, get the elk like, out. The bliss of not knowing any of this prior was fantastic. Sure. It was when reality set in that I went, oh, crap. How much of an ordeal you've signed this, up for this, here. This is a, this is, he's like, Adam, it's a once in a lifetime hunt. And I'm like. No, it's not. It's not a big deal. Yeah, this no. is something that everybody does. No, no. We're not going to. And so, like, the pressure immediately, like, settled in. And so, you know, being naturally, I, like, get my camera out and, like, like trying to, it's like, this is now a story. So I have to start recording. And I'm, like, talking to the camera. And I'm, like, uh, we have a problem. Because he's, like, it's okay. I mean, you, you just got to shoot him out to, like, 400 yards. I'm, like, I don't even have anywhere to practice shooting at 400 yards. He's, like, it's okay. You got to hit a 55-gallon drum at 400 yards. I'm, like. That doesn't make me feel better. <laughs> so yeah. that started the process. So we started working on it. I'm trying to prep him. But I looked at the weather leading into the hunt, and I'm like, you have solid. a north wind. Solid every day. A north wind every day. And I said, you got to put the wind at your face. Mm-hmm. And I said, so you got to have them drop you off on the south side. And then once you kill one, call me. If you get a chance, if you do get the chance to shoot one, call me. I'll come down. I hope you pack it out because you can bring people in with you to pack the meat out. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's it. Mm-hmm. And so Adam goes down. I go down, and they take us on this big loop around the property. Like, I'm in this section. They being the wildlife department? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. The wildlife and their, uh, the staff that's out, and they're helping them. And so we're in this section. And so there's ten hunters in this one section. Some of them have bulls, some of them have cows, and so on and so forth. So I go around the top, and I just remember the whole time thinking, Brad said, get the wind in your face, get the wind in your face, get the wind in your face. So put the get in that south side. Well, I was the only guy that got out on the south side of this property. And I meant, I, I kind of was like, well, what am I doing? Maybe I did something wrong. Yeah. I don't know, but I think it's mainly like we're driving through, and they, somebody the would see something, and they, you know, they bang on the hood, and the guy'd get out, and the whole time I'm going, just, just stay with the plan, just stick with the plan, just stick with the plan, and uh, finally get out on the south side. And that next morning, they dropped me off. Were you the first guy dropped off too? Right, I was the first guy dropped off. Yeah, because it was like the reverse how yeah. they did it. So, so he's, he's dropped off like an hour and a half. Oh yeah, night. I mean it's it's dark, dark, and so I get out of the truck, and it, it, 
Like, totally, talk about feeling like you have no idea what you're doing to begin with. Then you're dropped off with a topographical map. That's a map. feeling I'm quite familiar with. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, they give this map, this crude, like, cave drawing of a map, and they're like, here, this is your section. This is where we're going to let you out. And I'm like, uh, thank you. Should I be able to talk to the locals? <laughs> like, Looks like it's off the Goonies or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where's the X for the treasure, Paul? Like, what are we going to do? Like, so I, I'm, I get out of this thing, and, the, and the, I'm not kidding you. The guy lets me out, and he says, all right, there's a hole in the fence over there. Just crawl through that hole, and there's a draw at the bottom. Just wait for the sun to come up. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I get out, and I go through the hole in the fence, and I sat down, and I remember turning the camera on in night vision mode, and I turned around, and I went, I don't know what we're doing here, guys. Like, why are we here? What's happening right now? For being a guy that has no idea what he's doing at this point, you've got to have the most video production quality of anybody that would be in that that's the only benefit to this whole thing yeah. is that like at least i know I do what you know which is film. i can film things yeah. so uh we get down here and, and as the sun comes up on this day i realize that i am in the literal worst spot i'm in the bottom of a draw can't see anything and but i have some great time lapses <laughs> of the sun coming up some good b-roll stuff mm-hmm. yeah and so i remember the other thing brad told me it was like just get on top of something where you can glass get up on top of somewhere you can glass you can look around see if you can kind of get down and kind of stock up on something if you see a a, a, a bull that's got a good size on them and and just you just have to go for it and so i did i found rocks climbed up on top of rocks and i used binoculars to look off of rocks um <laughs> And then ended up bumping a group of cows right off the beginning. So I was like, hey, it's a successful day. I I've saw something alive. Yeah. Um, and so they ran that way, and I went, well, I'm going to follow them. And so I followed them down. They went into a draw, and I went back up onto another cliff face and started kind of looking around. And I was looking down on this hill, and I could see a wildlife department truck because they make the loop the whole day. They just drive around in a circle in case somebody gets hurt, somebody needs something that they're always on, in motion. And they, it was peculiar because they were stopped at the top of the hill. And I thought, why are they stopped? Because I've been seeing them driving. I thought, they're looking at something. They've got to be seeing something. And so I'm like looking at them and I'm like looking in this field where they are at. And I get to a better vantage point and I look down in the bottom of this hill and I see a glint of an antler. And I'm like, whoo. And I keep panning my binoculars and I get going, going. And then I see the big bull that. I ended up going after, and that's when you're like, <gasps> like it all gets real real, and then I, I can Brad's in my head like the whole time. Get the wind in your face, <laughs> get the wind in your face. Go into the bottom of the draw, sneak up on him, and so like I, I ended up getting uh, at that point. I think I was about 800 yards away, and I was like, mm, no, we're not going to reach out and touch this guy. And Listen, so, Adam is a card carrying Quapaw Indian, and it all came out. Indian, I'm yeah, why yeah. not? So, so it all came out, man. Like he went. I went full, full sneak. Just full, full sneak. sneak, buddy. Full sneak. Yeah. Just, I mean, uh, tripod and camera in one hand, I have a GoPro mounted on my face, and I, I mean everything rocking and rolling. Get down into this draw, and I go through the bottom. I'm like every now and then to pop your head up and kind of you know peek around, and I finally get into about uh, around 250 yards from him, and so I get out and I get everything set up, and. The craziest thing that I'll never forget about this animal was shooting him. I mean, right when I had it on, I knew we had the gun on. We'd practiced with everything, trying to make sure it was dead on. Shot and hear that bullet slap, and the elk just kind of went. Yeah, he just, he like just, nothing. He just like turns his head. So I'm like, just so tough. So then you're like instant panic, like, mm-hmm. oh no, my gun's, I bumped it. Did I miss? I missed. Yeah. I missed. So, I mean, you got five bullets. So I was like, well, we're going to shoot him again. Boom. 
boom, hear it slap again. And like, I know he's shot. I know he is shot. And then a few minutes later, he ends up taking a few steps and he kind of does the wobble and it's like, ah. So I went out on an elk hunt that I had no idea what I was doing and I hunted for about 45 minutes and shot a 300-inch bull elk. And not only that, so he called, like he says he gets service, he calls me, says, hey, elk, I shot an elk. And I was like, you kidding me? Like, I mean, first morning, like I'm in Edmond. You know, I so asked I'm him, like, I was like, what did you think I did? <laughs> what did you think I, thought, I, did? I thought he shot a little dinker, man. I thought, you know, he just shot a little, 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 little dink, little raghorn, yeah. you know. And, uh, Which would be respectable. No, like. I mean, I'm not mad at him, no. you know what I mean? But I, but so he ends up, uh, he says, well, I said, well, I'm in route. I'll come down and I'll bring it, you know, I'll bring my pack. We'll go in and we'll cut the oak up and get it out. And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. And I'm like, what do you mean don't worry about it, bro? you got to get your meat out. Like, you can't. He's like, oh, it actually died right next to a two-track, and so they were able to drive a, uh, a side-by-side in. This is a strategic shot. I a mean, side-by-side I was like, in. if I'm going to kill it, up, like it put they in. literally winched. They had a winch on it, picked it up, put it in the back, and then drove it to the gate. VIP. VIP service. <laughs> so they drive it. He's like, so the oak's out. He's like, I'm done. I'm like, are you You hunted 45 minutes. So first time ever putting in, he hunts 45 minutes. They pack it out for him. He, I'm telling you, when he farts, metal shavings come out. I remember he texting, cannot be any more lucky. I, I remember texting him, and he said, "What is? It, what does it look like?" And I said, "Is this is this seven by seven good?" <laughs> I was like, "You've got to be kidding!" And he's me. like, "Yep, yeah, be there in a bit." Yeah, I'm coming. But, I'm in or out to help you, nonetheless. Uh, I I would, that's yeah. basically like somebody saying, "I'm a really good basketball player. You're you fish, right?" Yeah. Here's a baseball bat. Good luck. By the way, you just got drawn to playing Game Seven of the World Series, and you hit a grand slam. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It's basically like what happened. Right? It's exact. I mean, it is the hunter's equivalent of for an Oklahoma hunter to yeah. do exactly what you just said. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's to nuts. get drawn for that. Hunt. It's bonkers. If you're one of the 20 million men in America struggling with ED, check out Park Ridge Medical Clinic. Don't just fight the symptoms of ED with a pill. Treat the root of the problem. Park Ridge Medical now has an office here in Oklahoma City and uses a state-of-the-art, clinically proven technology that's called acoustic wave therapy. They even feature an all-male staff. Your office visit will be completely comfortable. They can actually regenerate blood flow to the area that you want it. Most, no pills, no needles, no discomfort. Call Parkridge Medical today, 405-839-7000. That's 405-839-7000. Back inside the outdoor hour after this. Welcome back to the Outdoor Hour, talking all things outdoors. Presented by Park Ridge Medical on 1077 The Franchise. Over the weekend this last week, we had our Tyler Media Cares toy drive, something we do every year. And I feel so known and so seen. Uh, we were on our way out to Remington Park to go give away these two semi-truck trailer full of toys. And I'm out there at 4 a.m. And on the way out, one of our uh, coworkers here texts me and says, Hey, Taylor, are you bringing the Pedigo with you this week? And I said, You already know it. 
I just love that I have become so synonymous with this brand of e-bikes because I have absolutely loved riding the Pedego. I literally had it out there for the toy drive, zipping back and forth from the front of the line at the parking lot all the way down to where we're giving the toys away with no exertion, no effort, just having a blast. I've gone 16 miles in a day on this bike on one charge without pedaling a single time. And when you actually want to exert and work a little bit more, you can get a lot more out of it. I take it out in the backcountry. I've used it to deer hunt this year. It's been a lot of fun. If you're interested in an e-bike, maybe you've never been on one like I never had before I found Pedego, go check out Pedego OKC. They are on MacArthur Boulevard, just west of Lake Hefner. Get a hold of Lance. Go for a test ride. Mention the outdoor hour, and they'll save you 10% as well on the Pedego. Go check them out. Welcome back to the Outdoor Hour, the best of edition of 2022. We are brought to you by Park Ridge Medical Clinic. If you listen to this program, you know that I like to give Taylor Maples a hard time, our host, because he loves to bring up the fact that he harvested a bear uh, in the Tetons back in late September. If you missed any of his original story on uh, him harvesting the bear, you can hear bits and pieces of it literally on every show probably until eternity here on the Outdoor Hour, because he loves to remind people about it. But the original story was told back on the October the 12th episode, and I hope you enjoy it. Here it is as part of our best of for 2022 on the Outdoor Hour here on 107.7 The Franchise. What a couple of weeks it's been. We took that once-in-a-lifetime hunt trip out to the Tetons. You heard from Clayton and Amanda Duvall last week, and it really just brought me so much joy to use this show as a vehicle to create those kinds of opportunities for our listeners, uh, for the franchise listeners in general, for the patrons of some of our advertisers out here. It's unbelievable the community inside the outdoors world here in Oklahoma. And to be able to take listeners on a trip like that was so life-giving for me. Um, when this whole thing came about a year ago, the idea was that we were going to draw a winner, give them a $1,000 shop, shop credit, at Oakland Bow Hunters, and then allow him to bring a plus one, and the two of them would go on this trip, right? Well, we never imagined that we would draw Clayton Duvall, for starters. He was a, a perfect first winner for us. The content that he creates, his energy for the outdoors and hunting was unmatched, and he brought his wife. And at first, we were like, okay, he's bringing his wife. That's probably a good way to get some brownie points, come out, maybe hang out in the Airbnb. Like, we kind of had... Uh, stereotypes, for lack of a better word, what we thought that was going to be. But she was in the tree stand. She spent an entire day with a bow in her hand trying to shoot a black bear. Just the two of them together was so awesome. Um, I did not expect to get to go on the trip. Uh, Bryn from Okieland ended up going with us. There were five of us that hunted that week. And on opening day, we took three shots at three giant black bears all within about an hour of one another. It was an unbelievable experience. Once in a lifetime doesn't even begin to describe it. I was fortunate to harvest and recover about a 300-pound cinnamon phase, just a beautiful creature, black bear. Um, I was the first one. We'd all been sitting in our trees and, and or in our uh, ground blinds, ladder stands. We were all kind of in different areas with different setups and I was the first one to group text and say, I just shot a bear. And it kind of got real for everybody in that moment. Um, immediately after that, Clayton texted that he had shot at a bear. 
Shortly thereafter, Bryn texted that his wife Amber had shot at a bear but missed. It is amazing how much the group text has changed hunting from when you probably first started hunting. Oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because for starters, you're out there by yourself, right? Like, I was several miles from anybody else in grizzly bear country, in uh, mountain lion country, in wolf territory. We talked about all that and just the fears last week. The fact that you can even get service is something the you fact that you can get service, ago. Yeah, yeah, all by itself is is magnificent of its own. But to be able to sit there in the trees and have that kind of connection, and it's good and bad, right? Like a lot of the times, I want to be out in the woods just to get away from all of that sure. stuff. But in those scenarios, it's great it's to great be able to, to let someone know what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a work trip for me, too. Like, I'm still working. I won't right. lie. I checked a couple emails while I was in the, <laughs> in the bear stand. Uh, be sure you tell management of that, too, as well. But, um, no, unbelievable experience. So what happened for me is I went into an area, um, and I won't give away too many specifics of it to, to save our guide, but they put me in a really cool spot on a hillside. I was about 16 feet up in a ladder stand. It was the most rickety, narrow ladder stand I've ever been in. Um, and it was facing the bear bait, the barrel that the guide was putting the bait in. Um, we, when we set up our deer stands, we'll kind of turn them sideways of the, of the tree. So think about a right-handed shot from an, an archery bow. Right, So if I'm going to draw back this way, I don't want to have to turn my body to make a shot. I want to try to keep my feet going because those platforms are pretty small. Like Realistically, the size of the keypad on my laptop here is about what you're standing on 16 feet up in the air. There's not a whole lot of room to move, but my stand was facing this bear bait directly. So as I go to draw, hypothetically, when it comes, I'm going to have to draw facing like east-west, but I have to shoot north-south, if that makes sense. So I've got to rotate around to make that happen. Um, anyways, but I'm looking at this bear bait barrel, and I know I'm on a hillside. It kind of goes down to my left, up to my right, and the wind is coming up the hill this afternoon. So after I go in and I'm sitting there, truly shaking like uncontrollably worse than any buck fever i've ever experienced just sitting in the trees knowing that i'm hunting bears there are bears in the area i've got a bear tag in my pocket like just the mind games that was, i was playing with myself was like nothing i've ever experienced um clayton said it last week i mean it's one of those rare you don't get it that often hunting yeah. deer where you've got a tag and permission to kill something yeah. that also has permission by nature to kill you. Yeah, exactly. It's the first time I've ever hunted a predator. It's like a versus. It really is. Yeah, yeah. it's unbelievable. Um, and I can't even properly articulate what that feels like. Different kind of adrenaline? Different kind of adrenaline altogether. And it's not like these are just ground animals like, you know, a buffalo. A buffalo could kill you, right? A moose could kill you. A moose is not going to climb a tree to right, come after right, you, right? right? Yeah. <laughs> 16 feet in the air is nothing for a bear, um, and that's where I was perched. But I'd been sitting maybe half an hour, 40 minutes or so when I get my first sight of a black bear, and it was a monster. He was probably 40 yards from me, uphill, basically even with me eye level because I'm 16 feet up the tree. He's 40 yards away to my right, and I just see him moving uh, kind of from 2 o'clock to 3 o'clock and 4 o'clock around to my right, moving really slowly. I could tell that he wanted to come into the barrel and just wouldn't. And 
the more I thought about it, he was on the same nose level with me as the wind coming up. So he was staying there. He could tell I was in the area. He knew something was different. Um, so I saw him pass. It was a really sobering experience to see that first bear walk by and say, we're really doing this. There are actually bears here. In so the, the first one's not the one you? No. First one's not at. the one I shot at. The first one was much bigger than the one that I shot at. Um, it was a really deep, dark black color with a, a brown snout, really pretty bear, kind of exactly what you think of when you think of a black bear. Um, really round end, uh, hind end, I mean, just a big, big, fat bear ready to go hibernate. He walked by me, um, and maybe 30 minutes later, he walked back. So I saw him twice. About 30 minutes after that, again, I actually saw this bear kind of pacing four different times. And I could tell he wanted to come into the barrel, but he could tell something was off. He could smell me, something like that, and just didn't make the effort to actually come in. Um, and at that point, I kind of made a decision that if I got a bear into the barrel, I was going to take a shot. We knew, because our guide had done a tremendous amount of work with game cams and all this, that there were a handful of good bears in the area. And we'd been speculating for weeks of which bear do we want to try to shoot? Are we willing to pass on that bear if we know this bear has been in in the last couple of days? And um, I was prepared to pass and pass and pass and wait on one specific bear that we still haven't seen since. Um, but when I saw that we'll one bear. We'll call him bear, Lucky. That's a throwback to an <laughs> <Lucky>. old show. <laughs> <laughs> he got lucky that he didn't come in. Actually, we were calling him Griswold. And it's a great, he kind of, yeah. he had a kind of like a, a white uh, chevron pattern on his chest. And so we were talking about the chevron bear, the chevron bear. And I just kept calling him Chevy, Chevy, Chevy. And I was like, Chevy Chase. Yeah. Like, Can't call a bear Chevy Chase. I was like, but we can call him Griswold. Griswold with two Zs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there you I like go. It. I like it. So Griswold never came in. Um, the bear that I did see first was equally big, equally impressive, equally smart. He stayed away. Um, I'd been sitting in here for probably three hours when suddenly I just kind of had a chill climb up my spine and I heard some twigs breaking basically right underneath my 16 foot ladder stand. It was down low on the right side. I didn't move to look cause I knew there was something there. Um, but I just held steady and waited and sure enough, this, uh, it, I mean, it's a 300 pound bear. It was smaller than the others I'd seen, but not a small bear by any stretch of the imagination, kind of J-hooked around my stand in a tree and walked basically just mere feet below me. Um, and at that point, I had just a short shooting lane uh, left to right. So I went ahead and drew, knowing, knowing that that bear was going to continue on the path he was headed down away from me. And as I drew, my arrow slid across my arrow rest and made just the softest whisper of a sound, and the bear heard it. So he's standing maybe five yards away from me, under my ladder stand, 16 feet below me on all fours, and he turns and looks up the tree at me. Now, I was looking at him. I don't know if he ever saw me. I was at full draw, but remember, full draw facing 90 degrees in the wrong direction and I just freeze for what felt like an eternity it was probably like 10 seconds but we're making eye contact and he's standing there five yards away from my ladder stand 
And finally, he breaks eye contact first, spins his head back towards the game trail, and his first step took that right front foot forward, exposing the vitals exactly on that what you side, to exactly do, yeah. what I needed him to do. And all in one motion, I spun with my core, left my feet facing forward. So I'm in a really kind of awkward, twisted shooting position, across your body. shooting across my body and down 16 feet. But put a perfect shot on right through the vitals. I'm calling it a seven-yard shot from a ladder stand and harvested a beautiful cinnamon phase black bear. Yeah, you had no issues finding him, right? No issues finding him. Really I've, good blood trail. Great blood trail, better than I've ever seen. Um, the interesting thing is actually I, I use some of those illuminated knocks. I use a red and green strobing knock because I feel like they're really easy to see. Um, when I found my arrow on the game trail, the knock was gone. Um, and I was like, huh, I wonder what happened there. But actually the knock must have gotten lodged in the hair or something like that because about a quarter mile down this blood trail, it was a great blood trail, but it was like half a mile blood trail. Right. Um, Bryn jokes that I punched a hole through the bear rather than slicing because I shot my broadheads into a foam target enough ahead of time. But, um, anyways, I found that knock laying in the trail, and it was just kind of a little Easter egg for me. That's cool. Along the way. But, man, what a humbling experience. I know I, you've posted photos. Yeah. It's just an amazing creature. Unbelievable. To think that you were within five, six yards of that, I can only imagine the adrenaline rush. I was having this conversation with somebody this morning that's a non-hunter. Um, he's actually a client of mine here at the radio station, and he has an interest in it. He says, you know, this is nothing I've really ever been exposed to. I have an interest in it. And he mentioned turkey hunting as something he would like to try doing. And I said, that's perfect. That was me like a year ago with turkeys in that I'd never really had interest in hunting turkeys. I didn't know anything about turkeys, but I said, I'm going to go head over heels into turkey hunting. Um, and now the deep appreciation and respect and interest I have in wild turkeys is almost unrivaled by anything else that I've ever pursued. And I feel that same way about black bears now. I grew up in Colorado. It wasn't infrequent and it wasn't rare to have black bears like at your garbage cans on garbage day, right? But to be in their home field, to be with them in their environment, um, watching them behave as they do naturally in that kind of a way, I have such a newfound, deep respect and admiration for just the species as a whole. Um, and this experience has taught me so much about myself and what I'm capable of um, and my ability, honestly, to just like dude up and do what you sure. have to do. Yeah, right? man up. Yeah, absolutely. I talk about the buck fever that I felt, and it, it was almost reversed for me. I was so nervous being in the tree stand but when push came to shove i was able to to quiet the mechanism right and execute my shot and do the things that i needed to do and provide meals for my family we flew home a couple hundred pounds yeah, of, I saw bear the photos meat. of it i mean it, it has just been such an unbelievable humbling experience before we hit that break though i want to talk again about oaky hides you've heard me talk about these all season long um, especially if you've got some property that you get to hunt consistently, especially if you have people you want to take hunting with you. I want to get my wife out and have her experience what this is all about, but she's not going to climb a ladder stand. She's not going to get up in a hang-on stand. The Oki hide gives me an opportunity to get her out there. They've got a couple of different
different models from ground rounds to 8-foot platforms. I saw they just did a custom 12-foot platform. We're talking 26-gauge galvanized steel, magnetic blackout carbine curtains. They've got the largest landing platforms in the industry, 60 by 30 door frames for easy entry and exit, marine-grade carpeting. Like, they have absolutely thought of everything with these hunting hides. The guys over at Oki Hides are welders and fabricators by trade. They are outdoorsmen and guides by choice, and they've blended these two passions perfectly to create one of the best products you can buy, and they're made right here in Oklahoma City. Check out okihides.com. If you're in the market for a new hunting hide, it's something you can buy once and hand down for many generations. These things are so overthought, overbuilt, and well put together. I cannot recommend them enough. That's okihides.com for more. Back inside the outdoor hour after this. Now back to the outdoor hour presented by Park Ridge Medical with your host Taylor Maples on 1077 The Franchise and the Franchise Mobile app. Welcome back to the best of 2022 edition of the Outdoor Hour here on 1077 The Franchise, brought to you by Park Ridge Medical Clinic. My name is Todd Lizenby. Your host of the Outdoor Hour is Taylor Maples, and he'll be back in one of the best of segments here coming up shortly. One of the things that I know Taylor Maples loves to be able to do is to reconnect with old friends here on the Outdoor Hour. And one of those friends is a guy by the name of Trevor Groves, an old friend of Taylor's, who he was able to reconnect with. And Trevor has an incredible elk hunting story from up in Colorado and we will get to that shortly. Before we do that, though, I know that you have heard us talk about hunts of a lifetime last year. If you didn't, if you missed it, Taylor killed a bear in the hunt of a lifetime out in the Tetons. We've got a mule deer hunt uh, that Nate Champeau won from our friends at Oakyland Bow Hunting. We now have a chance for you to get a fishing trip of a lifetime. And before we get to Taylor with Tanner on that elk, hunt, elk hunting story, here is Taylor. Last week, joined also by Josh Stratton from J.D. Adams to tell you about both our friends at Okieland Bowhunters and your chance to win a fishing trip of a lifetime at J.D. Adams. I want to start this final segment just with a thank you to Okieland Bowhunters for their support of everything we do here at the Outdoor Hour. They've got a great sale going on right now for the holiday season on everything in stock. Make sure you get down to 325 Opportunity Drive in Norman and check out everything that they have to offer. Uh, they've got all the accessories you need. They've got a full lineup of flagship bows all the way down the entry level. It's unbelievable what they have. They've got a 20-yard indoor range, so you can really get these things in your hand and experience what all they have to offer. Go talk to Bryn. You will not find a kinder or more knowledgeable person in that space in the marketplace. Okieland Bowhunters at 325 Opportunity Drive in Norman is the place to go. And we're really excited to be giving away uh, what we gave away already, a mule deer hunt for next fall in the Tetons that we'll be taking with those guys. So stay tuned on that. We've got another giveaway going on right now over at J.D. Adams and Company. Uh, Stratton, you want to talk a little bit about what you guys are doing? Yeah, come on. we uh giving away a fishing trip of a lifetime up to uh, Yellowstone National Park. We'll figure out where. Uh, and, and win and win <laughs> uh, after the winter, and 
we see what kind of snowpack they have. I mean, if they keep getting what they're getting right now, golly, it's going to be a late season, which will be cool. Give some opportunities to fish into September, even early October, potentially. Yep. So let's hope they keep getting piled up with snow. But it is uh, all expenses paid for two people. Yep. We're also giving away a $1,000 uh, gift card or store credit to JD Adams and Company. So if you're lacking on gear, you can get loaded up before we go. And then for our customers, every time you uh, have a checkout that's a hundred dollars or more, we give you another um, entry uh, into the whole shebang. Trevor Groves is our guest this evening on the Outdoor Hour, talking about his opening weekend elk trip. Get up to the high country and. We were in uh, north central Colorado, and it's uh, actually an area that we had never hunted before. And, um, you know, unfortunately, our, our typical area, we've been, well, let me back up. We've actually been blessed the last two years by, uh, we drew Wyoming in 2020. 2021, um, my hunting partner and I, we burned uh, preference points, which is pretty common throughout the West where uh, you have to put in and it's kind of like the lottery system. And we burned uh, 10 points um, uh, to, to go into a premier unit in Colorado and just had the, the time of our lives there. And then this year we get, uh, we get humbled going back to over the counter units where, you know, anybody from any state can come in and buy a tag at, uh, you know, their, their local sporting goods store and, and go hunting. And it's, uh, it's something that, we've kind of mentally prepared for going into it, knowing that it's, it's not going to be the same experience, but I can tell you this past weekend was, uh, it certainly broke the mold in terms of, uh, in terms of what we got to experience from the elk woods, especially this early in the season. Um, so it is early. The season just opened. You are yeah. by no stretch of the imagination, a novice elk hunter, at least in my friend's circle. Um, You've harvested some elk. You've been with people who've harvested elk. You've hunted some rather premier uh, units. How did this compare to what you've experienced in the past? And that's what we were, you know, my hunting partner and I were, were basically tied at the hip in terms of where we go hunting together. And it's, we, we were just looking at each other like this, this almost beats, what we had last year for a unit that took 10 years for us to be able to even have a chance to draw. And we got this on an over-the-counter unit, which is so, to me, inspiring that, I mean, if you, if any of the listeners have been thinking about booking an elk hunt, those opportunities are out there. You can go, I mean, sure, it, it takes some saving, it takes some planning, but $1,000, you can go and buy an elk tag, come to Colorado and have the same exact experience that we had this past weekend. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, we can inspire some people to, to take that leap of faith and, you know, say, you know what, this next year is the year and I'm going to pull the trigger and we're going to, we're going to go and do a, do an elk hunt. I've got a number of friends from here in Oklahoma that make that pilgrimage every year this week. One of them was at unit, uh, 80 and 81 this week, which anybody that knows that some of the most premier Southwest property um, in Colorado. It's big, big units down in the San Juan mountain range. He was telling me last year, Trevor, they had 10,000 tags in those two units. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's the <laughs> third, third largest herd in the state for a reason. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, yeah, there's a lot of competition. I won't, I won't say that, but 
I mean, if there's any consolation, we didn't see another hunter all weekend. And we were, wow. I, I, will, I will not give away too much, but we were less than a mile off the road. Wow. So I spoke to this so, friend of I mean, mine earlier today. Yeah, I spoke to this friend earlier today, and he's headed home. Um, they only saw some cows this year, uh, but they saw, okay. I think he said they counted 25 other hunters out there. My goodness. So it goes to tell you that the premier units are not necessarily all they're cracked up to be because you are not in one of those, and you had a pretty good weekend. Nope. Tell us a little bit more about what happened. Yeah, and I think, I think you know, as we get into this, just I, I encourage people to just think, think differently. Um, you know, as we, that's what we try to challenge my hunting partner and I and, and people that we hunt with is like, you know, think about doing things that other hunters might not. Um, and that's, that's kind of what this hunt was all about was we, uh, we found um, a unit that where we typically had hunted uh, had, been, uh, had been burned by a, a pretty serious wildfire. So we did some scouting this summer and said, you know what, that's not the place for us. We think, um, you know, access has greatly improved with all of the deadfall and things, um, you know, being, being opened up and the, the much easier to walk and access these areas that we typically hunted. So we were back to the drawing board and we essentially picked a spot on a map and we, we look for, you know, north facing hillsides where elk like to bed. And again, we kind of attracted to these, uh, these burn areas that, you know, two or three years after a, a fire comes through, you get this just beautiful grass that comes up and it's an elk magnet. Um, I mean, you see what they have to eat on a daily basis just to sustain their body size, that they're attracted to these burn areas because it's an easy food source for them. And then if you can find patches of standing timber that didn't burn within those burn units, they got a very easy route to go from feed to bed and back again. You know, within a 12-hour period, it's, it's, a, it's a much easier lifestyle for them that they're not having to go clear across the mountain to get to their bedding area when they're out feeding at night. Um, so that's all about what this hunt was. And we, we found this spot on the map and um, four of us joined for this opening weekend. And um, we, we heard the alarm go off at 345 on, on Saturday morning. And all of us you know, sprung out of our cots real quickly and, and made some coffee and got in the truck to go uh, start, start our hike up the mountain. We had about a 600 vertical foot climb um, just from from the from the uh, road, which sounds like a lot, but in reality it was a pretty pretty gradual climb, not uh, not many blowdowns, and we just went from basically bench to bench to bench, and we would uh, you know you see these areas in the top topography on the map where you get a really steep section, and then it levels out, and another steep section that levels out. Those benches are where those elk like to hang out a lot of times, and if you can find them on north facing hillsides where it's cooler that doesn't get that direct sunlight and there's typically better cover and feed for them they're going to be in those little pockets so that's as we're scouring the maps and looking through onyx that's what we're looking for and so it was me and another person we had four people so we split up in teams of two and we just went from each bench we'd stop about 50 yards in front of it and we'd uh you know blow a few cow calls to see if anything was in there we we uh you know uh, send out a locator bugle which is basically a high-pitched whistle that everybody the, the elk make during their mating season that basically says hey i'm an elk i'm over here please respond and typically it's kind of like a shock gobble with a, with a turkey where if you get out and you do a crow call 
and they gobble right back, that's what you're trying to get the elk to do is give away their position. And so we kind of methodically work our way up this hillside and we get to right uh, exactly what I described where we had this burned area with lush green grass and it went straight into a patch of really thick shaded dark timber. And you know, my hunting partner and I would look at each other, we said, okay, we're gonna move up to this next patch. We're gonna stop 20 yards into the trees and we're gonna just do a quick calling sequence and see if there's anything in here. <laughs> This is uh, 7.15 in the morning, uh, first day that we had been out. We probably call for two minutes, just you know, snapping some branches, doing some light cow calls and a couple bull elk songs, uh, sounds. And right in front of me, probably 50 yards, I hear uh, uh, an animal stand up from its bed. And 700 pound animal, you can definitely tell when they get on the hoof and you hear this just thud. I said, okay, something, something in front of us. And this bull, I mean, he, he closed the distance from probably 60, 70 yards away to 40 to 30 yards in about a second and starts crossing in front of me, um, moving right towards my hunting partner then who is about you know, 60 yards to my right. And the bull likes to do this. They circle around you to try and get your wind. And that's exactly what he was doing. He was he heard the he heard the cow calls and he heard the bull sounds and said, "There's a herd down here. I just want to make sure that I, I I know what I'm getting myself into." And he circles around and I kind of uh, you know motion over to my hunting partner that get ready here he comes and he uh, I watched the whole thing happen, which was just a really cool experience that he you know sees you see the tension go on the bowstring and the, the release is in his hand and you can tell that he sees the elk coming and circling in front of him and uh, he comes to full draw and the elk is still working in front of him and it's pretty pretty thick timber but he just he's so patient with that with that bowl and just holds it full draw for what feels like two minutes and the bull eventually steps into an opening and I hear his cow call go off to stop the bull and the arrow releases and just a thud. Um, and that, that means pretty much from there, the, the bull runs off 50 yards. We hear, um, you know, uh, some, some, some coughing and some sounds and that was it. It went silent. So, you know, we, we do our due diligence. We backed out, we gave the bull, you know, an animal that size usually typically gives them some time to expire and, we backed out and had a little bit of breakfast and tried to calm our nerves and um, came up there and recovered him within 50 yards of the shot. And that was uh, probably the most uh, sustainable elk kill I think I've ever seen or been a part of where, um, you know, double lung, uh, slightly quartering away, but I really didn't know what hit him. And, uh, you know, beautiful five by five bull for an over-the-counter unit, something that you can, you know, you, you shoot every day. And it's a trophy for any elk hunter. So it was a really cool experience. He was just mostly happy that he now had a freezer full of elk meat for his, his wife and his two uh, growing boys. So it was a cool experience to be a part of for sure. Wow. And it sounds like it was a fairly simple pack out job as far as elk hunting goes as close to the road as you guys were. Yeah, it was, uh, it, it was until he had the brilliant idea to try and do um, – you know, the, the elk in one trip. <laughs> so oh. he, he was like, he was like, we're only a mile. What could, what could go wrong? And so he took uh, the head, uh, a back ham and a front shoulder. I took a front shoulder, a back ham and all the neck and 
rib meat and, and back straps. And it was, it was a grind, but we, we made it. Um, thankfully, it was all downhill, but I don't think I have to do that again for a little bit. So I'm, I'm still licking my wounds here and a little sore from the weekend, but it's, it's a good, good kind of sore. Trevor Groves is our guest this evening on the Outdoor Hour, talking about his opening weekend elk trip. But, Trevor, you told us day two was really when things started to get exciting. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, it was quite the experience that, you know, we split up in the morning, and uh, the guy that I was with, and we, we went and harvested that bull. Well, the other team, of the other two hunters we were with, went and scouted an entirely different area. Um, and we're able to kind of plan out our, our day two well in advance. So we kind of had a plan going into the second day already because they were hearing bugles and, and finding lots of bulls in one basin. And that's where we started our second day. So it turned out to be, you know, pretty similar where we, we kind of woke up in the morning and decided to just hike our way into this, uh, this, this high ridge line. And it overlooks this big basin, which, again, kind of this transition between burn and timber. And what we do is we climb up on these ridges and you, you send those locator bugles out and try and get a response from the elk. And it was actually a pretty, pretty quiet morning. We got a couple bulls to respond, but they were way in the back of this drainage. And so we, uh, we slowly picked our way there. It was pretty challenging uh, just in terms of the number of uh, a deadfall. And there's a really bad beetle kill from uh, these, these pine trees that get just eaten up and then they fall over and it makes you know chest high blowdowns in some areas that uh, you have to try and work your way around. So it took us a while to get in there, but by the time we got to that point, uh, you know, it turned into just a, a pretty amazing experience, especially for one of the hunters that we were with. He's two years into bow hunting, um, just started really seriously hunting elk. And to have this experience where the end of the day, we're, we basically crested a ridge and, you know, like something out of a, a, a Primos film, it's, uh, you know, minimum 15 bulls just screaming at each other. And this, this basin sounded like just complete pandemonium. And it's September 4th. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, you think of something like that happening the last week of September when the rut is in full swing. You could have told me that this is September 30th and I would have believed you because it was just all the bulls had cows and they were trying to protect their harems. And we were watching bulls just chase each other back and forth and sparring and raking trees and you know, for a new elk hunter to see the look on his face when he turned around and just said, you know, really quietly, like the whisper, like, this is awesome. I mean, it was just a, <laughs> just a magical experience. And we, uh, we, we came close on this one. We had a, another you know, really nice, actually, six-point bowl, which is, for an over-the-counter unit, pretty, pretty, pretty rare and a, certainly a trophy. Um, and had one diagonal stick right in front of his vitals that prevented a, a, a shot there. But uh, certainly a success in our books. It, you know, anytime that you can get full draw on an elk uh, is, is a success in our eyes. And that's something that we try and pride ourselves on is it's not about the harvest, it's about the experience. And that evening certainly was about the experience that we just left that herd, put it to bed. And as we walked away and just the 
cacophony of bugles and cow sounds and everything going off behind us. We just had a big smile on our face. If you've got a story to tell, maybe a lesson you've learned, or somebody that has introduced you to the outdoors and you just want to tell their story, give me a shout. I'd love to have you on the show. You can find me on Twitter at T underscore Maples. Instagram there as well, at T underscore Maples. Uh, you can follow the show page at Outdoor underscore Hour on Twitter, Instagram, and now TikTok. And find the franchise at Franchise OK. If you've got a business and you'd like to inquire about partnering with the Outdoor Hour for advertisements, the franchise in general, or any other Tyler Media station, send me an email, taylor.m at tylermedia.com. Com. That's going to do it for the Outdoor Hour this week. Until next time, go boldly. We'll see you outdoors.